for. Maybe that's why we listen to music while we do things that we want to focus on or to, to calm our hearts and minds. Music can be a powerful tool for such a thing as we've learned and I think Kyle was alluding to. So I've always, and because of this, imagined Mary to be singing her song because that was the only thing she knew to do in response to what she heard from Elizabeth and the angel Gabriel. I imagine her as she sings, she does so with tones of joy, but mixed with tones of uncertainty. She had good reason to be anxious or confused if she was at all, and after things and as things had unfolded. News like this, for any of us, upon hearing it, might find ourselves doing a bit of, of nervous singing. You see, Mary has just encountered the angel Gabriel. And he had been sent by God to tell Mary that she had found favor with God. And that she would conceive a son and name him Jesus through the Holy Spirit. She responded with shock. She tried to make sense of how she, not yet married, would bear a child at all. To which Gabriel responded, The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Now, after she gets to Elizabeth, I realize that Mary's song for Luke, the writer of this gospel, is something of a literary device. It's a mechanism for you and I to connect ourselves to the story in the Hebrew text of the Old Testament. It sounds very much, in fact, like Hannah's song. And it has this theological significance of understanding God and God's story with Israel. And this encounter in Luke is very consistent with similar stories and all throughout Luke. And it, he, this gospel, wants us to see that this same God who long before created through Abraham and Sarah, the nation of Israel, the people of God, Jerusalem, was about to do something even more amazing through a lowly couple named Mary and Joseph. That being, enter into the world through Jesus the Christ, Savior and Redeemer of all life and of all people. Even so, one can't help but imagine the implications and the realities that this gave Mary. It changed her life forever. We sing of her, this lowly servant of God. Upon hearing the word from Gabriel, she makes her way to to see someone she trusts, perhaps. She immediately travels from Galilee to the Judean hill country. Now, as this story is read every year, I'm mindful that it sounds like that Mary just ran down the street to see Aunt Elizabeth. Well, the hill country from Nazareth was at least 40 miles away. And that's where it began. And it was 60 miles to the heart of hill country, near the area where Bethlehem would be. Hence, she took a four-day trip, even if it were in haste, to get there. And when she arrives, it's possible, perhaps likely, that Elizabeth had no prior knowledge of this news. 
It's likely she had no idea what Gabriel had said to Mary yet. She didn't give her time to speak, though. Before Mary could explain anything, immediately she announces to Mary that, that she's the mother of my Lord, and her child, the one who would be known to us as John the Baptist, would, it leaped in her, her womb. She was filled with the Holy Spirit, and Elizabeth adds to this mystical, mysterious annunciation as she offers and affirms Mary's experience. And then Mary breaks out into song. And even the song foreshadows the rest of the story that is to come. So Luke has set us up here. He has set us up to read on and to understand that this is the story of discovering how God entered again into our day and time to accomplish all the things that Mary told us would be accomplished. But he's also set us up to learn from Mary. Luke is setting us up to learn what it means to accept not only the love and the favor of God, but to accept the call that God places on our lives. An opportunity to display the willingness of Mary in our own day and time when God comes calling upon us. It's not Christmas yet. We are still in the days before Christ is born. And these things that Mary sings of have not come to bear yet. Today, as it is, she stands as an example of faith. She stands as an example of believing the promises and the fulfillment of God's promises. She is our example of a faithful response to the moments and the seasons in life when God shows up and startles us and calls us. She is an example of what we can do, what we must do when God shows up wanting to work through us. And when we accept, even if with trembling and uncertain voices, when we take on the task and the ask of God to be vessels of peace and healing and justice and redemption, we can begin to understand something of what Mary must have felt. Mary was not a mere vessel for this child. Mary is a living, breathing, active, faithful person. An example of who you and I are called to be. She is our disciple model today. She is unique in her role as the mother of the Lord. But she is all of us anywhere and any time that God has called to bear the life and the light of Christ. A wonderful story is out there about a man who came, who was home with his children while his wife was out Christmas shopping. He was reclining on the couch, half asleep, half watching a football game. And the kids come into the room. He had four children. And they said, Dad, we've got a play to put on. Do you want to see it? Well, he was a good father. He didn't feel like it. He wanted to slumber a little longer. But he set up, he shook off the slumber, and he became a one-person audience. His four children, ages four, six, eight, and ten, were, they, they were the actors. And first came Joseph. Joseph came in with a mop that the tassels had, or the mop in had been removed. Mary came in with a pillow up under her pajamas. The angel came in with one of the child with her wings flapping with her hands. And finally the last child enters the room. It was the eight-year-old. 
And they had found every piece of furniture, or jewelry in the house and put it around her neck and her ears and her bracelets. And she was adorned with all those things. And she was carrying three gifts. She goes, I am all three wise men, she pronounces. I bring three precious gifts, gold, circumstances, and mud. <laughs> now, identifying two of these three gifts in the way she did did not cause the father to laugh, though. And he didn't correct this magi, one magi, who was really three. Instantly, it drew him quickly to the fact that somehow this child had gotten right to the heart of Christmas. That being that God loves us for who we are, our gold, when we're at our best. Our circumstances, just as we are. And our mud, through our brokenness, through our faults. God has a habit of doing this. God has a habit of breaking, bringing in those who are broken, those who are imperfect human beings like Mary, humble servants, to be vessels for which the Son of God is being born. Each time that we come across a similar story as this, it reminds us that what is impossible for us is possible for God. God can take our gold, the best of who we are. God can take our circumstances, whatever they may be, in our mud and make something glorious of it. In our life, in our living, don't we often look just like these children trying our best, but not perfectly, to tell the story of God entering our human condition? And just like them, don't you and I, don't we always get some of the details wrong? but know deep down that there's some things we must get right. So how? How might God want to wake us today from our slumbers? Wake us from business as usual. Wake us up from the day-to-day -day routines, our habits that occupy us. And to see and to live out the Christmas story, the birth of Christ in our own day and time. Where in our time and space are we asleep? And where do we need to be awakened? Where is God prepared to humble the proud? Ask for a greater generosity for those who hold on to resources that others need. To lift up the lowly so that we might all live together in a more level place. And what would our song sound like? What if we took seriously that God's call to Mary is our call. What would the words to our song sound like on what it means for Christ to enter in today? There are a few things that keep us from wanting to sing, sing Mary's songs, I'm afraid, at times, from singing our own songs. Too often our world tells us to believe what Walter Brueggemann calls the myth of scarcity. His point is that for ages, every society, has been dominated by an established order of haves and have-nots, the powerful and the lowly, the upper and the lower echelons, and the fear of not having enough, and perhaps even greater, the fear that we might lose what we have is a powerful fear. And it can cause us to look out for number one, to keep things close to the vest so that we don't lose them, and we call that stewardship. This is scarcity. And this is, it's about fear. 
but it stands in direct contrast to God's version of the kingdom, and it sounds very different than that of Mary's song. A myth of scarcity will never generate bread for the world, but only bread for us and ours, writes Brueggemann. But the lyric of abundance asserts that in the hands of a generative, generous God, scarcity is never true. Scarcity is nothing to be feared. In the world, we're encouraged to take care of number one. But with God, we know that we will always have what we need to lift up the lowly, to care for the poor, and to redeem the lost. There's a story about God calling the heavenly choir together to teach them a new song, the angelic choir. And they were going to sing it very soon. And I think this story, as it was told, means to connect to this story of the angels singing their celestial song to the shepherds in the field. But it was a lovely song as the story goes. And after teaching the angelic choir this song, God told them that after this performance, you can no longer sing it again as a choir. Perhaps they could hum it from time to time, but never would they sing it as a choir. Now this didn't sit well with the angelic choir. I mean, this was a beautiful song. This song deserved to be sung in every corner so that everyone could hear it of all ages. Silence in it made no sense to them. This song needed singing. So finally, one of the angelic hosts mustered up the courage to ask God, Tell us, Lord, why can we never sing this song after the one performance? And God said, Oh, it will be sung from generation to generation. Yet once you have taught the world this hymn, it will be theirs to sing from now on. In other words, our lives are to be the lyrics pronouncing that Christ is being born among us. And maybe another way to think about this story is a reminder that our lives today will only be lived once. And while we have life coursing through our veins, our lives should look and sound and reflect and echo the song of Mary. We are mortals. We get one shot at this gift of life that God has given us. So we must make our lives include the chords of lifting up the broken and suffering, forgiving those who have sinned are falling short, and often ourselves, working for justice, struggling to learn what it means to love, and in all things showing the world what the mercy of God has to offer it. But to sing this song, we must have the willingness that Mary has to bear this good news that is born to us, but also through us. And over the last week, I know you have seen what I've seen. You have seen and you have heard and you have sung in this chorus. We have seen it in helpers coming from every corner of our world. We have seen it in those trying to, their best to love our neighbor in a very difficult time. Yes, the storms woke us up last week. But let us be clear that it is the love of God that has awakened the generosity that we have seen. This week, every one of us has faced that reality that there are some things in this life on our own we cannot overcome. It is not possible 
But we have also come to learn that together and with God, all things are possible. So we are called and we are tasked not just to tell the story of Christmas, but to live out Mary's song. So church, let's keep singing, keep serving, keep showing up, keep being generous, keep offering grace, keep welcoming all for whom God puts in our path, and keep serving around the corner and around the world. And when we do, what we do is teach the world. We teach a next generation of those who follow Jesus what it is to be a blessing, what it is that our songs of faith teach us, just like Mary. And to use Mary's words today, know that you can magnify God's being with your body. You and I can magnify God's actions with our actions. We can magnify God's words with our words. We can magnify God when we live together and become a living chorus of love and promise. And it is through this, through human beings, flesh and bone, you and me, the substance for which God called into life, that Christ is still being born through and in today. Thanks be to God. Amen.